Welcome to Tea Break with Vivian Cosimir. Vivian and her guests are here to help you empower yourself and open your mind to higher realizations. Now, here is Vivian. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tea Break series. My slogan, if coffee wakes you up, tea awakens you. I am Vivian Casimir, and I have the pleasure to be here with Jason Quinn, Zen teacher at the Quantum School of Zen. The subject of the Tea Break podcast is what does the expression new consciousness mean and why is it important? Just to give you an idea for now, the term new consciousness sprang from the fusion of science and spirituality from the past few decades. So it's been here for quite a while. It shows that reality is not what we think it is. Basically, science proves what spirituality has been saying all along. So why do we say new consciousness then? Because of two important reasons. First, because we witness a shift in the Western cultural consciousness that affects everything. And in fact, it takes time for a new concept to settle in society, so that's why. And second, because there is a difference between knowing all that jargon in science and spirituality and attaining it or living through it. Ha ha ha, how many of us are an embodiment of the teaching? Also, in this challenging time we live in, there is a necessity to change ourselves from within. So a few examples of common concepts that triggered that shift of consciousness and that you may have heard already. Quantum physics and neuroscience show that gravity is a field of consciousness in which we exist and in which we are all connected like knots in a spider web. In biology, epigenetics is a growing field. DNA is not controlling your body, your thoughts, your environment, and your way of life dictate which genes are going to be turned on or off. And as Bruce Limpton phrased it so well, our consciousness is shaping that reality in front of us. Our consciousness is the architect, genes are the blueprint. And finally, another concept that you may have heard, many mind-body practices in the West, at least, like acupuncture, naturopathy, yoga, etc., move beyond the concern of health and well-being to help people be aligned with their life mission. So as you can see, it's all about everything is energy. Yes, we've heard that before. And we need to develop our human potential, which means knowing who we are, raising our consciousness, and focusing on self-transformation or realization for ourselves and for humanity and the planet. So for this reason, I decided to start the podcast series with, of course, a Zen perspective. Welcome, Jason Quinn. And a few words about yourself, and let's start with a basic question that we all love. What is Zen? <laughs> uh, first, thank you for having me here. Uh, this question about what is Zen is very curious to me, and also many people. Because you hear this word Zen and many different things. Zen and the art of tea making. Uh, washing your car. <laughs> you, I've heard people say, I need more Zen in my life. So Zen is just a word, it's a Japanese word that just means meditation. Meditation, sometimes when we think about that word, we might think of somebody sitting in a monastery, very serene, or somebody sitting on a cushion, very peaceful. That may be true, but meditation just means how am I keeping my mind right now in this moment? So in my book, I give an analogy of somebody who's driving their car. So while they're driving their car, they're thinking of work. Then when they go to work, all they can think about is vacation. Then finally, they're on vacation, laying on the beach, having a nice cool drink. All they can think about is home. Then when they're home, 
their kids are asking for help, and this person, the only thing they can think about is work. <laughs> so I think we can all relate to that, right? Our body's doing something, but our mind is completely somewhere else. That's not good or bad, but it has a natural result. If you're driving your car and your mind is completely somewhere else, maybe you miss your exit, maybe you cut somebody off, maybe you bump into somebody, right? If you're uh, with the family member or friend and they're talking to you and your mind is somewhere else, it has a natural result. There's a disconnection, and that disconnection results in some dissatisfaction. So Zen or meditation simply just means come back to what's happening right now. When you are driving, you're looking in your mirrors, you're watching out for cars, you're listening for emergency vehicles. When you're at work, you're answering the phone, you're responding to an email. When you're on vacation, you're just relaxing on the beach, soaking in the sun. Maybe when you're at home with your friends or family, you're just listening to what they're saying and responding. So that's very, very simple. It's not esoteric. Zen just means what is happening right now and how can I respond in a way with love and compassion? Great answer. Yeah, thank you. And it's interesting because you mentioned what I would call the, the cliché about Zen. So let's go over a second question, which is, for some people, Zen is a religion. And for others, Zen is sitting straight, back straight, and on the cushion. So what can you say about that? Is it a philosophy, a religion, and what are the different types of Zen? Yes, yes. Um, philosophy is like the study of what you're talking about, right? And many people think Zen or Buddhism is a religion. So here's an example. Here's a story I'd like to share. It was when uh, many years ago I was a monk and I was living at the Empty Gate Zen Center in Berkeley. One day I was going to the grocery store and I was doing shopping, and there was a man who was sweeping the floor, and he looked at me from a distance and just ran up to me. So I was a little nervous. <laughs> and then he yelled, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And I could tell from his energy that he was trying to start something or trying to attack in some way. Mm -hmm. So I simply said, of course I do. <laughs> he was very shocked. His, you know, very confused, but I saw that his anger went down a little bit. And then he said, well, I thought monks, Buddhist monks, uh, don't believe in Jesus. So I tried to throw him off a little bit, and I said, well, I don't really practice Buddhism. He said, well, then what do you practice? <laughs> so I tried to explain what I just said about meditation, right? Meditation means when your mind's clear, you're perceiving the moment and responding. But I could tell he was not uh, getting it. So then I asked him, let me ask you a question. When somebody is hungry, what do you do? And he said, oh, give them food. And I said, is that Christianity or is that Buddhism? And then mm -hmm. phew, the light went off. Then he got it. And what was really interesting, so initially he was very, had a very strong energy. And then all of a sudden, after I asked him that question. Then he said, do you ever get angry? <laughs> and then he started talking about his problems and his anger and his issues with his mom. So that's a very good example about it. If you perceive the truth of someone's hunger, what do you do? You feed them. That is Zen. So that's not based on any kind of religion. In fact, you can practice other religions and practice meditation right? Because meditation helps you be more clear in your life, develop more compassion that you can use to help this world. That means helping your family, your friends, your co-workers, everybody you encounter. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, you know, we when we talk about Zen, people see always the sitting position. So we have many questions, but let's go over the first few that are coming in, which is, is Zen 
or Zen meditation? Is it sitting and kind of severe, strict way of doing things? Mm, right. So again, if we're coming back to the beginning, Zen meditation means what is happening right now and how can I respond? So yeah, when we do our formal practice of Zen, we have sitting meditation. And our school, we have chanting meditation, walking meditation, bowing meditation, many different kinds of meditation practice, practices. But those are all just techniques. Now, I do know that some Zen schools emphasize sitting and a strict posture, uh, but it's not necessary to practice Zen. So we use these tools, bowing, sitting, chanting, walking meditation, because we're doing many different things in our life, right? We get up mm -hmm. in the morning, we go to the bathroom, we make breakfast, maybe we make our kids lunch, maybe we go to work, we have to deal with phone calls, maybe come back home. There's many different things that we're doing in our lives from moment to moment. The problem is, people lose their sense of clarity because they get lost in all these activities. Mm -hmm. So in our school, we have all these different activities to help us pay attention. So all of those different techniques are the same. They help us come back to this moment, help to clear our minds so we can see this moment clearly, and again, respond with love and compassion. So uh, yeah, okay. they're, they're not super important, but they are a tool and technique that we can use to help train our minds just to pay attention. Okay. Then when we get up off the meditation cushion, then we can continue that meditation. When you're making breakfast, mm -hmm. you're just making breakfast. When you're eating, you're just eating. When you're driving, you're just driving. So all those techniques can help us uh, be more clear in all of the activities in our lives. Yeah, exactly. There is a, something that people have to grasp. It's not easy sometimes, but it's Zen is a tool. It's not an end because we always want, we always have expectation. Oh, I want to practice meditation or Zen meditation because I want peacefulness. Oh, I want to reach enlightenment. Yeah. So we have to remember it is as you described so well, it's a, it's a technique. The goal right. is to reconnect with yourself. Let's not forget that. That's so, true. Um, so let's talk about expectation <laughs> when we practice. Why I'm saying that is because I'm sure you, you must have uh, people reaching out to you and asking, oh, I want to, to be peaceful. Uh, is it going to help me? Yeah. So let's go over mm. your... I think everybody, well, at least in my experience for the last 25 years or so, everybody comes to meditation or to Zen practice because they want something, right? They want to be more peaceful. They want to be enlightened. That's not good or bad. Um, that's what gets people into the door. I mean, I had that myself. Until later, I realized, you know, the Buddha had a very simple teaching. It's not complicated at all. People make it complicated, but it's quite simple. And he just said, if you're grasping after anything, it doesn't matter what it is, grasping after fame or money, enlightenment, peacefulness, if you're grasping after anything, the natural result is dissatisfaction. Then he said, but if you let go, the natural result is clarity, wisdom, love, and compassion. He didn't say one was better than the other. And he also didn't say you should pick one. <laughs> it's up to you. You find out for yourself. So yeah, I came into practice because I had a lot of suffering, a lot of anger, a lot of confusion. And of course, I wanted to relieve that. So I wanted something. But I think from my experience, I realized that, yeah, hmm, we're human beings. We have, human beings have this conditioning. We have many things appearing, thoughts and feelings all of the time. Mm -hmm. So I realize that sometimes it's peaceful, sometimes it's not. Sometimes I like the practice, sometimes I don't. <laughs> and that was a beautiful thing, just to be with that as it is, because life is also like that. Sometimes you like your job, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're enjoying your relationship with a loved one, 
Sometimes you're not, right? Sometimes it's difficult. But that's part of being a human being, right? There's a Zen story where a monk came to the Zen master and said, I don't know what's going on. I sit meditation and everything hurts. My back hurts, my knees hurts, my legs hurt, my brain hurts. (laughs) And the master said, well, don't worry. It will pass. So a few weeks later, the student came back to the master and said, wow, I don't know what happened. Because now when I sit for 30 minutes, I have no pain and my mind is crystal clear. And the master said, don't worry, it will pass. (laughs) And that's really the reality, right? So we find out from experience, if of course, especially if we let go, that we all have thinking and feeling and it's all coming and going. If we don't get caught up in that coming going, right? So we, when we connect with this moment, we're grounded, our energy strong, so we're not pulled around when things get difficult. So I think that's a really important point. Mm-hmm. So if you want something, that's fine. You'll get three things from wanting something or grasping after something. So this is very important. This is what you're guaranteed. Let's say you're grasping after enlightenment or uh, calmness, peacefulness. First thing that can happen, you don't get it. So if you don't get it, what? You're dissatisfied. Okay. Second, you get it. Ah, finally, I'm calm, I'm peaceful. But guess what? It doesn't last. (laughs) There's not one thing in this world that remains. Everything is appearing and disappearing. All right, that's the second. Third is very common. You get that thing you're grasping after, but it's not enough. You want more. Or maybe it was just a little bit different, only if I got paid a little bit more. Or if my spouse was a little nicer, then I would be happy. So those three things are the natural result of grasping. And again, like the Buddha said, it's not good or bad. It just has a natural result. So what's your choice? (laughs) <laughs> That's very funny. As you were telling that, I was thinking of my experience. I remember once I was talking, I was Zooming with uh, uh, Judy, uh, mm. Zen Master Bonhey, and uh, I was telling her, oh, this past week, my meditation has not been peaceful. And she she got closer to the camera, and I had the feeling that her face was coming out of my screen. Uh-huh. And she says, Vivian, remember, Zen is not about peacefulness, it's about awakening. So wake up and bing, it did something to me. So yes, uh, people, uh, beginners or those who want to start this journey, they they expect things, Uh, it's normal, we all do. But the thing is, when you when you have those those things, remember, when you start, it's like a benefit. In other words, mm. people want meditation because they are suffering. So they want calmness, they want peacefulness, and everything. Yes, there are benefits, quote unquote. I don't like this word, but let's say benefits. But this is not the goal. The goal is to awaken. Yeah. And on that path of awakening, my experience is things happen. Your, your mind expands. You realize things that you, you were blind uh, about before. Yeah. You know? I, you know, to add on to that, which is very interesting too, because we're talking about the what is the definition of peacefulness or being calm or enlightenment. And, you know, from our experience, we realize that if you're happy, it's okay. If you're sad, it's okay. If you have anger up here, it's okay. That is the true meaning of peacefulness, right? Even though it's difficult, you may not like it, but it doesn't move you, it doesn't control your life, it doesn't control your words or your actions in your life. It's okay. That's the name for true peacefulness or enlightenment, right? It's just being with what is. So if, if people want something out of practice, that's okay. Just start doing it. Get some experience. You start to see your mind very clearly. You start to get in touch with this true self or this natural clarity that we already have. And then naturally, like I said, when things appear, you're able to be with it. Mm, yeah, exactly. The other thing is 
the human mind is because also as we know with many philosophers who talked about it like derrida for example the french philosophers language is based on binary mode binary thinking so any spiritual practice like zen is about moving beyond what we say commonly beyond duality duality creates suffering so what would you say about that meaning you talk about grasping about attaching to things but when people meditate now we are talking to those who have been meditating for a while how do you really be aware of that duality that you have to to move beyond or what we say in 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 our zen school before thinking can you say a few words about mm -hmm. that because i love the expression don't know much <laughs> Right. Uh, you know, it was, again, one of Buddha's very clear teachings that he says, everybody has this enlightened nature. It wasn't certain people. It wasn't just monks. Lay people have it. Monks have it. Nuns have it. It doesn't matter what country you live in. It doesn't matter what religion you believe in. Your color of skin does not matter everybody has this original enlightened nature but we don't understand the self that means we don't understand this i and because of that that's why in buddhism they talk about the three poison one of them is ignorance right not seeing the truth of this i so in zen practice we really get to the source of that so where does duality come from it comes from the creation of I. Because if there's an I, then there has to be a you. Now there's good and bad, like and dislike, right, wrong, love, hate. But our original mind does not have that. Sometimes we say that our enlightened nature, our enlightened mind, our original mind, is like a clear mirror. The clear mirror just reflects everything as it is, right? The mirror doesn't have anything in it just reflects. If I point it to the sky, reflects blue. If I point it to the tree, it reflects green. But we add I to this mirror, then you, good, bad, right and wrong. That's the world of duality. So what happens is, now this mirror can't reflect the truth of this moment. It has a filter, we all have a filter. Whether it's a good, bad filter, a like, dislike filter. You can even have a Zen filter clouding this mirror. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be, I want money uh, filter or power filter, whatever the filter is, we have to take all of it away. How do we do that? What is this I? I know it's a big question because we say it all the time, right? It's like, it's, it seems like this permanent thing. I like this, I don't like that, I believe in this. But what is this I, and where does it come from? Consciousness? Where does consciousness come from? Mind? Where does mind come from? Eventually, it's like peeling layers back of an onion. We keep asking these questions, and we end up not knowing. So that don't know mind you talk about is our original nature, is our enlightened nature that reflects the truth of this world in every moment. Ah, thank you so much. I love the way you explain it. And there is a, a quote, I don't remember who uh, said that, is that uh, then Master Debong, I think, the true mind revolution is when you realize that there is no I. And that I think right. is, is beautiful. Yeah. The other thing is also another quote is, everybody wants something from meditation, but Actually, no, but we don't get anything from meditation. On the contrary, we lose all illusions about ourselves. So that's a beautiful one. Yeah. Good. We have uh, one minute left before the break. Do you, do you want yeah. to say anything? Um, do you, I just want to respond to what you said. We don't gain anything, right? The re I heard this too. If you practice Zen, you don't get anything. But what that means is we already have it. 
we're always looking outside of ourselves for enlightenment or clear mind or true self. It's already here. We already have it. So we're just waking up to that very simple truth. Yes. Thank you. So we are going to have a short break and stay tuned for the next part with great advice on how do I keep my practice alive? Meaning, how do I get motivated because it's so easy to be distracted during the day, of course. And what do I do to start reconnecting with my true self for beginners? And how to deepen my practice for those who are already on the path. So stay tuned. Set your goals higher and aim for a true transformation in your life. Do not settle for well-being. Be grounded, centered, and raise your consciousness for self-realization. Mayoku Techniques help you start your journey or deepen your practice on a one-to-one training. Check the website, www.myokucenter.com. And together, let's make a difference now in your life. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Tea Break with Vivian Cosimir. We hope today's episode is making you feel empowered in many ways. Now, back to the show with Vivian. Hello and back again to Tea Break with Jason Quinn. So let's continue our list of questions. We have just a couple left. And um, how? Because we always hear that it's about quieting the mind. Zen meditation is about quieting the mind. So what does it mean? How to empty your mind? How to quiet the mind? So I'll ask you this question. (laughs) So right now in this moment, what are you doing? I am talking to you, Jason. Correct. (laughs) So that's how simple it is. It's always coming back to what's happening right now. Yeah, thinking is natural. In fact, thinking is necessary to function in our lives. Human beings' problem is attachment to thinking. So when we give meditation instruction, we say that don't push away thinking and feeling. Many people try to do that. I talk about in my book about this backseat driver that comes from Zen Master Sung Song's teaching. I expanded it a little bit. But there's this backseat driver. That's the voice in our head that's always telling us to do something. Turn right. Okay. Turn left. Yes. Go straight. Okay. So we know that it controls our life and we end up being dissatisfied. So what people do They say, you know what, I'm going to start a spiritual practice. Maybe I'm going to start meditation so I can tell that backseat driver to shut up. (laughs) So they do this meditation practice to tell the backseat driver to shut up. The backseat driver does not like that. So it gets louder and stronger. So that means if you're pushing away thinking and feeling, it will come back louder and stronger. Then there's the third way. This is the way we teach meditation. Backseat driver says, turn right. You say, thank you very much. And you turn left. (laughs) (laughs) So you're not ignoring the backseat driver. You're not telling it to shut up or go away. You're putting all of your energy into this moment, not energy into this backseat driver. So what that means is, yeah, when thinking appears, that's fine. Just put all of your energy into what you're doing. During sitting time, we're just sitting, just listening, just seeing. I gave the example earlier about driving. Thinking appears, that's okay. Put your energy into driving. So really, that's how we do it. That's why I ask you, what are you doing right now? And you said talking to you. So where was your thinking then? So very, very important. Hmm. Yeah. 
<laughs> Good. Uh, the another expression that I've heard in our school is meditation burns karma. But for ordinary people, I mean ordinary, let's say people in the in the large public who hear the word karma, it's associated with this kind of belief that is something wrong I did and I am mm. paying for it. So what is karma? There's a very simple way of talking about it. Now, obviously, people have many different ideas about it. If you go on the internet and search karma, <laughs> you're going to get a lot of different ideas. But through my uh, meditation experience, I heard a very great teaching from this teacher. And he said, pay attention to your thoughts because your thoughts become words. Pay attention to your words because your words become actions. Pay attention to your actions because your actions become habits. Pay attention to your habits because your habits becomes character, right? Or Jason, Vivian. Pay attention to your character because your character becomes fate or destiny. Buddhism, we say karma, mm. right? Usually people don't know why things happen. Something appears in their life. How did that happen? Why am I so depressed? Why am I so sad? Why am I happy? Nobody knows. Because they're missing this whole chain of cause and effect. So karma is just cause and effect of our own mind. So in Zen, that's why we say when you're sitting, Pay attention to your thinking. Why? Because they become words. Pay attention to your words. Pay attention to your actions. Even pay attention to your habits and character. And then see if you can use it. So karma is not good or bad. Our school's teaching is not to get rid of karma. Because people are, oh, I have bad karma. I want to make good karma. That's the wrong way to look at it. We say, are you using your karma to help this world? Or is your karma using you? That's a very interesting teaching. So it shows you that things are just the way they are. Yeah, I have my own karma, my own characteristics and personality that who knows where it came from. Maybe since I was born, some people believe it was before that. Vivian, you have your own karma. It's not good or bad. Why change it? Just look at it very clearly when we can see the nature of karma, the truth of it, then we can decide in every moment, can we use it to help this world? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, there is, um, for those who don't know about Zen practice, we have, as Jason, you mentioned in the first uh, part before the break, sitting, walking, chanting, there's different ways. And there's one thing that many people, the public know or have heard about. It's koan. Koan is a mystery. It's a Zen question that you can't answer with your Cartesian mind. And if you answer, you are enlightened. <laughs> okay. So um, there's a, this is something that is practiced in our school to help people clear their mind. So can you talk a bit about koan? Koan yeah. and Kong An in our school. But. Yes. So, yeah, the Koan is uh, found in, often in, in Zen practice, usually the Renzai tradition, although many different Zen traditions are, are using them. Uh, it, it's just a meditation technique. So, yeah, we talked about the sitting meditation, walking meditation, chanting meditation. All of those types of meditation helps us return to this clear mind. So before I said this original clear mirror, that reflects the moment as it is. That's okay, right? Uh, what's more important, and this comes back to this kind of Mahayana Buddhism, where how do we use that clear mind in this world? We talk about helping the world or changing the world or doing something, right, to benefit this world, but how do we do that? We don't know. So enlightenment's just the first step, or just realizing this true self or this clear mind is the first step. But how do we use it in our lives from moment to moment to moment? 
And this is what koan practice helps us with. When people read a koan, it sounds like a riddle. I've heard this before. They're, <laughs> yes. just, they're just mind riddles, right? A very famous one. We don't use it in our schools. Uh, it's just a Japanese koan. What is the sound of one hand clapping, right? It sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a different type of question. So when I was in elementary school, the teacher asked me, what is the capital of California? And I was like, oh, oh, oh I don't know. <laughs> so interesting, right? First of all, her question's pointing to thinking, understanding, right? Hopefully you can dig something out of your mind to answer that question. The Cohen question does not point to your thinking or understanding. It points to your true nature or this true self or this enlightened nature, whatever you want to call it. So that's the first point, right? It's a different kind of question. So usually people are relying and navigating life through their thinking and understanding. Mm. We know from experience that gets us into a lot of trouble. <laughs> or we're navigating life through our emotions. Now, if we do that from our experience, we know that just creates more suffering for ourselves and others. But if we navigate and rely on our intuition, and again, intuition is another word for true self or enlightened nature, if we rely on that, then our thinking and understanding become clear, we can use them. Our emotions become clear, we can use them. So all koans are pointing to that. First, returning to the clear mind, the mirror that just reflects this moment. Then it helps us with, then how do we respond with this clear mind? How do we demonstrate love and compassion and wisdom in this moment? You see, this is interesting that you mentioned that because very often, and that's understandable, I mean, sometimes even myself, I am caught in it, which is people think that going beyond duality means a gray zone. It's not presence, absence, it's in between. It's not black or white, it's gray. No, it's not even that. It's before thinking, that mm. pure space of intuition, as you said, or true connection with our true self. So that's something that mm. people have to, um, to grasp a bit more, particularly mm. for the listeners who are already on the path to move. Yeah, actually, I say move, but it's not the right term, is to be before thinking. And that's such an important thing, the don't know mind, that space. So thank you for that explanation. And um, there's one thing that I love about also uh, the quantum school of Zen is those three uh, aspects, great faith, great question, great courage. Yes, Did this you? comes from uh, uh, Chinese Zen teaching. And it's not only the three aspects, I, I like to say kind of like one of the three most important aspects of Zen, but it's also important in our life. Because, right, Zen and life are not separate. That's really important. Yeah, so the first one is great question. Sometimes it's called great doubt. We talked about this a little bit earlier, is raising great doubt. So it's not self-doubt. That's got to be very clear, because self-doubt has self and I. Great doubt, when we asked this question earlier about what is this I, where does this I come from? That's raising great doubt, because if we look at it closely, we don't know. So this don't know is great doubt, is the great question. So that's really important. The next is uh, great courage. Now, sometimes it's called great effort. I like the word courage, too, because great courage is very necessary, not only in practice and life. It's to show up no matter what. So we show up when things are going well. We show up when things are difficult. So if you're just starting meditation practice, yeah, maybe it's great at first, but it gets challenging. That's okay. People who have practiced meditation for a while knows that there's some days that are just 
very difficult to see, especially looking at our own mind. We see our judgments, right? Our discriminations, our opinions, all of these things. And it's very difficult to look at. But if we have the courage to just see it, the courage not to push away thinking and feeling, use great doubt to look at all of those things, then we return to don't know. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, the last one you said? Uh, faith, courage, uh, and great question. Great mm -hmm. faith. This is very interesting too, because <laughs> it can be misinterpreted, right? Faith. Usually we think of faith, it means believing in something outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. But in Zen Buddhism, great faith is having faith that we already are enlightened. We already have this enlightened nature. And the way I've kind of experienced it is more intuitive. Like, you know, inside there's something else. It's not what's happening outside of ourselves. There's already something here that's very clear. So having that faith that you already are enlightened, you already have it. You're just practicing to realize it. So mm -hmm. these three things are like a three-legged stool. If you take one leg off, it's going to fall down. So you need all of them together, the faith that you already enlightened, the courage to show up, and asking these questions very sincerely and honestly to return to don't know mind, which is this clear mind. Ah, cool. Well explained. Now, those two uh, aspects, advice. How do I keep my practice alive, get motivated because it's so easy to be distracted? Yes. Uh, I'm thinking about my own experience. Uh, I was a monk living in the Zen Center for many years, 10 to 12 years, can't even remember now. <laughs> uh, now I don't live in a Zen Center. I live in a house with uh, a wife and two kids. So... It's, uh, I understand how easy it is to get distracted and unmotivated for practice. So there's a few things we can do. It just kind of depends on your own situation. Everybody has a different situation. The thing that helped me the most was community. It's very, very difficult to practice by ourselves because we talked about the, the courage to show up. It's very difficult to look at our minds, so we want to quit don't want to practice anymore. I've had it, it's enough. But when you're sitting with the group of people, you feel the support and energy from that group. So it doesn't have to be a Zen group, any kind of group that you're uh, connected with or practicing with. Um, it's very, very important to get that inspiration and that courage to continue the meditation practice on your own. Yeah, so some people will go to a, a group once a week or every other week and then they have their daily practice at home. Uh, another thing that helps is sometimes we practice meditation, it's fine. Then we get up off the cushion, then we forget how to meditate. We're driving our car, somebody cuts us off, we flip them off. It's like, wow, what happened to my meditation? So we forget how to meditate. So sometimes we need reminders to do that. Exactly. So some people where there's like this Buddhist mala beads, that people would wear because then they see it and go, oh, yeah, my job is to practice meditation right now. Uh, some people may have like an altar or something at home or in different places of the house to remind them. Maybe you can use incense, anything to remind you of meditation practice, that it's just not on the cushion. It's from moment to moment to moment in your life. So anything that can help remind you to do that is very important. And then I think the last thing I would add is why are you doing it? Ah, uh, I love it. So we talked about this earlier. <laughs> if you're grasping after something, of course, you're going to be dissatisfied and unmotivated. But if you use those three things, courage, doubt, right, of this, um, this faith to show up, then you're able to get through it. So this is a question we always ask in Zen is why do you do it? Because if it's just for yourself, the natural result is dissatisfaction. If it's for you and all beings, the natural result is clarity, love, and compassion. Ah, that's wonderful. Oh, well. So the second aspect 
for our listeners, we have people who have never started uh, meditation and would like, and those who want to deepen their, pra their practice. So what to do if I want to start reconnecting with my true self? And for those who are already doing it, how can I deepen my practice? Because at some point we always feel like flat, you know, a plateau. And we need an extra push to remind ourselves. <laughs> it's all yeah. about reminding ourselves. So yeah, I guess the first, we... yeah, the first part, let's look at that first, because it's a little bit different. People who are starting to practice, right? So there's many, luckily there's many resources now that you can access online. A lot of online resources. Sometimes it can be a little bit confusing because there's so many different styles of meditation practice and this and that. So that's why I usually recommend is trying to uh, look for something around in your area. Again, it doesn't have to be Zen, but any kind of uh, spiritual practice, meditation practice, Buddhist practice, Zen practice in your area is very good, especially when you're beginning. Because uh, we have a lot of misconceptions of how to meditate, right? Like I said about the backseat driver, most people are trying to meditate to get rid of thinking and feeling. <laughs> well, that's a disaster. So practicing with a group or, you know, encountering a teacher, the teacher can help you with these pitfalls that we all have. So I think that's really important is to uh, engage in something around you. Now, I've met a lot of people who have no meditation center around them, no spiritual groups, no Zen groups around them. So that's why uh, Vivian knows about this. Uh, we created this Quantum School of Zen online Sangha. It's for people who don't have the support, they want to connect with the teacher, they want to connect with the group of people, get the support they need. Uh, so that's a very helpful way of doing it. I think, yeah, a teacher is very important, again, because they can show you, first of all, the pitfalls that we all have, and also they can reflect our mind back to us. So anytime you're with people, your mind is being reflected back to you. Sometimes when you're sitting by yourself, you don't really see it. But if you sit with others and somebody's sneezing or breathing too loud or moving around, you kind of like, what's going on? I don't like this, right? But that's just your mind making that. So you get to see it very clearly. So I think for beginners, you know, you can always try, of course, resources online. There's many books on meditation. Um, but I, I think the best, in my opinion, is to find something around you. Now, for people who are experienced and they want to deepen your practice, I always say that's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you why. It, we all do it. But the problem is, I already said this earlier, that our true nature is already here in this moment. So there's nothing to gain, there's nothing to deepen. So it's not like, you know, if somebody wants to become a bodybuilder, they go to a gym, they eat a certain kind of foods, they do certain kind of workouts, and they can measure their progress, right? They can measure their biceps and their legs and things. And weekly, they can see that they're progressing to a certain thing. <laughs> but you already said it, Vivian, there's nothing to get. So there's nothing to deepen. So what that means is it's already here in this moment. So what I have can maybe uh, give some advice for people who are experienced, it's not about deepening the practice. It's how do we use this practice in our lives? from moment to moment to moment. That's what sometimes maybe could be considered deepening, because really there's nowhere to go except here. <laughs> in fact, in, in duality, there's deep and shallow, right? If you take away deep and shallow, you take away duality, what's left? We just have this moment. But what I find with uh, many practitioners, the key or the thing to focus on is how do we use it in our life? How do we use the meditation moment to moment to moment? And that's something that's really going to benefit you and benefit others. Great, great. So we don't have much time left. We could talk, I could talk for hours with you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think our listeners now have a good idea of uh, mm, yeah. what, wh why it is important to reconnect with ourselves and particularly in those times, challenging time, as we hear many in many, many places and masterclasses about it's time to really reconnect. Yeah. So about your book, you wrote a book, published a book, and we have three minutes left. Can you tell us about your book? 
Yes. Uh, I was asked to write a book. I never had ah. intended to write one. I don't know if you know this, but no. uh, yeah, this is a very interesting publishing company. They're based out of San Francisco and they don't take submissions. Basically, they kind of look through the internet and they find something that's interesting and they work on an algorithm-based program, meaning they find what people are searching for on the internet and they see what's missing in content and then they create content. So they actually asked me to write this book called No Nonsense Zen for Beginners and that's how it happened. <laughs> good. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know. Oh, that's a, a good one. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. So, uh, um, Jason, if people, if listeners would like to know more or have questions, because of, I'm sure there will be many questions from, uh, from this pod podcast, how can they reach you? Yes. As you mentioned earlier, I do teach for the Quantum School of Zen. And we have one Zen Center in the school called the Empty Gate Zen Center in Berkeley. Um, I do events for them. But also, I think the easiest way for people to connect is go to my website, jasonquinzen.com. Uh, most of my teaching is on YouTube. So if you go to youtube.com, put in Jason Quinn Zen, you will find many videos covering everything we talked about and more <laughs> <laughs> in those. Okay, thank you. So unfortunately, this is the, the all the time we have thank you jason queen and to listeners that's all there's there's been a lot of information and concept in this podcast so since it's a monthly podcast i will suggest that take time to listen again to this podcast with a cup of tea and send us all your questions thank you for being with us and let's meet again next month for a new gaze on the topic of mind body and spirit Thanks for tuning in to this month's episode of Tea Break with Vivian Cosimir. Tune in next month for another new empowering episode. Until then, have a nice cup of tea and a clear mind. <laughs>